This is the SF Productions Podcast Network. The Kinescope Initiative Episode 152 A sitcom review in chronological order. From the SFPP and Television Center, take it away, Mark. Thank you, announcer Bod, and welcome to the Kinescope Initiative, a sitcom review in chronological order. Let's continue with the sitcoms of 1988. He's a family man doing what he should. With his wife and little kitties, life is good. Family Man premiered on ABC on March 18, 1988, at 9.30 p.m. Not to be confused with an unrelated sitcom premiering only two years later. It's a bad sign when your show makes so small an impact that the title is recycled in two years. Richard Libertini plays a comedy writer who marries a much younger woman, played by Mimi Kennedy. She has two teenage kids from a previous marriage, played by Allison Sweeney and Whitby Hertford. The couple also produced a child, played by three-year-old Keely Mary Gallagher. We covered Mimi Kennedy in episode 95 for Stockard Channing in Just Friends. Richard Libertini was a longtime character actor recognized by his balding pate and beard going back to the 1960s. His films include The Night They Raided Minsky's, Don't Drink the Water, The Out-of-Towners, Catch-22, Days of Heaven, The In-Laws, Popeye, Unfaithfully Yours, All of Me, Fletch, The Bonfire of the Vanities, and Nell, with regular or recurring roles on Mary Hartman, Mary Hartman, Soap, The Finelli Boys, Pacific Station, and Jenny, with a lot of guest spots. Libertini passed in 2016. Allison Sweeney appeared in commercials by the age of five. She got a few TV guest spots along with a failed pilot and then Family Man. And then came her best-known role, Sammy Brady on Days of Our Lives, which she's been on since 1993 at age 16 with a short break in the mid-2010s. She won a Daytime Emmy and five soap opera awards for her role and directed multiple episodes. She also became host of reality show The Biggest Loser. She struggled with weight issues herself. That break in the mid-2010s gave her the opportunity to become a Hallmark queen with series such as Murder, She Baked and The Chronicle Mysteries, along with a lot of Hallmark movies. Whitby Hertford had already appeared in Poltergeist 2 The Other Side and some TV guest roles prior to Family Man. He went on to voice work, The Further Adventures of Super Ted, Midnight Patrol, Adventures in the Dream Zone, Peter Pan, The Pirates, Pro Stars, and Tiny Toon Adventures, with more films, Beaches, Jurassic Park, and A Nightmare on Elm Street. Family Man was created by comedy writer Earl Pomerantz, Taxi, Major Dad, and the sitcom was based on his life. The living room set was a reproduction of his own, and exterior shots were of his Pacific Palisades residence. Speaking of the sets, Pomerantz wanted a more realistic view of a home, and so there were seven different sets. This made it impossible to include a studio audience, although it was shot as a multicam sitcom. It lasted all of seven episodes before the axe fell. Pomerantz apparently wanted it to be forgotten, as he has no interest in digitizing the tapes. 
He's done a good job. I cannot find an episode online. The opening theme is performed by Jesse Frederick, the go-to guy for Miller Boyage shows, and it's highly reminiscent of them. Frederick would go on to compose the unrelated 1990 Family Man show. Just in Time premiered on ABC on April 6, 1988, at 9.30 p.m. Tim Matheson stars as an aggressive editor brought in to save a struggling magazine, so he has to deal with the eccentric staff there. Kevin Scannell plays a sports writer, Alan Blumenfeld, a senior assistant, Nada Despovich, a junior assistant, maybe save some money and fire some of these assistants, Ronnie Clark Edwards plays a secretary, Patrick Breen, a photographer, and Patricia Kalember, the political columnist, and Matheson's love interest. We covered Matheson way back in episode 25 for Window on Main Street, Kevin Scannell just recently on episode 149 for Pursuit of Happiness, and Ronnie Claire Edwards in episode 126 for Sarah, where she also played a secretary. Alan Blumenfeld is a longtime character actor with 188 IMDb credits. Regular or recurring roles on Family Ties, Life Goes On, Brooklyn Bridge, Murder One, Philly, Gilmore Girls, Heroes, Life at Large, with films War Games, Tin Men, Inner Space, Problem Child 2, Heartbreakers, The Ring, The TV Set. Blumenfeld also has done video game voice work and teaches at a California college. His last IMDb credit was in 2015. Nada Despovich went on to a run on Men Behaving Badly and films Moonstruck, The Rocketeer, Jerry Maguire, and The Invention of Lying. Patrick Breen got his start on the stage in Broadway's Brighton Beach Memoirs, Big River, The Normal Heart, winning a Best Ensemble Drama Desk Award, and Next Fall. He's appeared in films Get Shorty, Men in Black, One True Thing, and Galaxy Quest with regular or recurring roles on Sunday Dinner, Big Wave Dave's, Simon, Rock Me Baby, Kevin Hill, Royal Pains, Madam Secretary, A Whole Day Down, and a series of unfortunate events. He also did voice work on The Magic Adventures of Mumphy. Patricia Columber got her start on soaps, Texas, and Moving, before getting her own series, K. O'Brien, just in time followed, and then a run on 30-something, and finally the role of Georgie on Sisters. She went on to regular or recurring roles on Law & Order SVU, Orange is the New Black, The Tick, Madam Secretary, and Power. Films include Jacob's Ladder, Signs, The Company Men, and Limitless. Just in Time didn't get enough time on the air, six episodes and gone. A promo really pushes the romantic angle. No luck finding an episode online. The opening theme sounds like an afternoon talk show with light jazz and screams the 80s with an animated watercolor overlay.
Just the Ten of Us premiered on ABC on April 26, 1988 at 8.30 p.m. A spinoff from Growing Pains starring comic Bill Kirkenbauer as an old teacher of Mike Seavers, who moves his large family to a new town for a coaching job at a private boys' school. Deborah Harmon plays his wife, and she is apparently very fertile. They have eight kids, oldest daughter Marie, Heather Langenkamp, Twins Cindy, Jamie Lunar, and Wendy, Brooke Thice. Cindy is ditzy, Wendy is a flirt. Connie, Joanne Willette, a bookworm. Sherry, Heidi Ziegler, an eight-year-old genius. J.R., Matt Shackman, a young hustler. Harvey, Jason and Jeremy Corchins, a toddler. And newborn Melissa, who apparently never had lines and so was never cast. There's no reference to her on IMDb. Due to a special arrangement that would only happen on a TV show, the four oldest daughters get to attend the otherwise all-boys school. So there's a lot of storylines about them. Evan Arnold plays Marie's steady boyfriend. Frank Bonner from WKRP, episode 91, plays the headmaster. Dennis Haysbert, the assistant coach. Lou Richards plays a priest. And Maxine Elliott, a nun, who are also teachers at the school. We covered Deborah Harmon on episode 89 for The Ted Knight Show, Dennis Haysbert on episode 126 for Off the Rack, and Lou Richards on episode 111 for Gloria. Bill Kirkenbauer was an army brat born in Austria. He got into stand-up, which led to roles on Fernwood Tonight slash America Tonight, Mork and Mindy, and films Skate Town USA, Airplane, and a recurring role on Growing Pains, which led to this spinoff. He would later have a recurring role on Clueless, again playing a coach. Heather Langenkamp's father was the assistant secretary of energy in the Carter administration. Heather, while working for a newspaper, auditioned for a crowd scene in a Coppola film, which got her a SAG card. While studying at Stanford with roommate Susan Rice, she got the female lead in A Nightmare on Elm Street. Langenkamp did music videos and TV guest spots and then came a run on Growing Pains where she played a different character before getting the spin-off series. Other films, The Nightmare Franchise, Shocker, Star Trek Into Darkness. She also had a run on TV series The Bay and played the title character in a TV biopic on skater Nancy Kerrigan. Her career then went in multiple directions. She and her husband started a gum company. She did special effects work for the series Filthy Preppy Teens and special makeup work for horror films. Jamie Lunar's mother was an actress, and Jamie's first IMDb credit was a run on Growing Pains, again playing a different character than the one on Just the Ten of Us. She took a break from the series to study cooking, at one point working as a chef. She returned a few years later working for Aaron Spelling, TV Films, Savannah, Melrose Place. She followed that up with Profiler, 10-8, Officers on Duty, All My Children, Murder in the First, and a number of Lifetime movies. There were legal issues a few years ago. She was accused of drugging and filming a sexual encounter, but this turned out to be a stalker who was later sentenced for 20 years in prison. Brooke Thice's parents were actors, and she went down a similar course. The film Little Nikita, a run on Growing Pains, and Just the Ten of Us. Thice would go on to do regular or recurring work on Good and Evil, Home Free, Beverly Hills 90210, and films Nightmare on Elm Street 4 and the ill-fated Halle Berry Catwoman movie. 
Joanne Ouellette appeared in the second Nightmare on Elm Street film, as well as High School USA, Real Genius, a lot of TV guest spots, and again, a Growing Pains run just prior to The Ten of Us. Heidi Ziegler was doing TV commercials by age three before getting a regular role on Rags to Riches. This led to, say it with me, Growing Pains and Just the Ten of Us. She also had a run on Drexel's class, after which she retired from show business. Matt Shackman did multiple TV guest spots prior to Just the Ten of Us. It would be his final on-screen role as he attended Yale studying theater. He went on to co-found an L.A. theater company. By the 2000s, he was a regular TV director. Everwood, House, Psych, Revenge, You're the Worst, The Good Wife. He would produce and direct It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, WandaVision, The Great, and is currently scheduled to direct the next Star Trek film. Evan Arnold had a run on Growing Pains, again playing another character prior to Just the Ten of Us. He would go on to runs on The West Wing, Close to Home, Suburgatory, and 9-11 Lone Star, along with films Spider-Man, Garfield, and Ford vs. Ferrari. Maxine Elliott was acting on the stage by age five and was a silent film starlet, with over 200 roles from 1914 to 1937, including The Eternal Mother and Poor Little Rich Girl. In 1937, after a dispute with Warner Brothers head Jack Warner, she left the biz for decades, returning in the 1970s to play old women on sitcoms. Her later films included Defending Your Life and Beethoven. She passed in 2000. Just the Ten of Us did well for ABC, although it never got in the top 30 for a whole season. The show became part of the early TGIF lineup. It had a tryout run of four episodes and then came back for two more full seasons. Although the show was originally built around Kirkenbauer's character, the action soon moved to the four oldest daughters. They even formed their own singing group a la the Archies. I'm still wondering about baby Melissa. The mom was pregnant at the start of the series, and it ran for two and a half years. So you can find her included in publicity photos of the family, but again, no actual name. She's the Chuck Cunningham of the late 80s. I'm surprised there's no internet rabbit hole to go down about her. USA Network picked up the series post-cancellation, and it ran daily for several years. Surprisingly, for a multi-season series, you won't find just the 10 of us on a streaming service, nor did an official DVD set ever come out. I watched an episode on YouTube, one late in the run in hopes that Melissa would get a credit. Nope. The opening theme is a hard-driving version of standard Miller Milkus. Coach is off on a Boy Scout trip and finds Wendy making out in a tent. The parents decide to pick out a date for her, and wackiness ensues. Wendy is quite the trollop. The jokes are corny, and the whole storyline is kind of creepy. Funny how you always try to make the clients feel like number one. We're in Omaha, we're in advertising. The idea here is to get the job done. We'll sell pizzas and tombstones. First Impressions premiered on CBS on August 27th, 1988 at 8 p.m. Not to be confused with a later reality series of the same name. The show is a vehicle for stand-up Brad Garrett, who plays a divorced dad and ad agency owner. The latter gives him the opportunity to do impressions, which was Garrett's speciality. We'll cover Garrett when we get to his much better known role. Brandy Gold plays his daughter, Tom Sharp his business partner, 
Sarah Abrell, the receptionist, James Noble, the audio engineer, and Ruth Cobert, his next-door neighbor. We covered Brandy Gold in episode 116 for Baby Makes Five, Tom Sharp on episode 143 for Sweet Surrender, and James Noble on episode 98 for Benson. Ruth Cobart started as an opera singer in the 50s, touring with multiple companies. She made it to Broadway in Pipe Dream, How to Succeed in Business Without Really Trying, A Funny Thing Happened on the Way to the Forum with a Tony nomination, and Annie. She also did occasional TV guest spots and later went on to Trapper M.D. and Bob. Films include Dirty Harry, The Hindenburg, and Sister Act, along with video game voice work in the King's Quest series. Cobert passed in 2002. First Impressions was not a hit, only five episodes, with three more never aired. According to an interview with Garrett, the first episode was partially preempted for a college football game that went into overtime. That's not a good thing for a pilot that establishes the series and characters. Could only find the opening theme online sounded like a poor Dylan impersonator. More of 1988 sitcoms in our next episode. Announcer Bot, how can the folks find us online? Go to sfpodcastnetwork.com to get the feed, other SF podcasts, and blogs. Subscribe via your favorite podcast catcher and leave us a review. You can email sfpodcastnetwork at gmail.com. Like us at facebook.com slash sfppn. Follow us on Twitter at sfppn. Check out Instagram at sfpodnetwork. Call us at 614-321-9737. That's 614-321-9SFP. Back to you, Mark. Well, I'm filing this episode in the archive. Tune in next time.